Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here with the man, Mike Abadir. Mikey, before we get into anything else, how was your uh, how was your Christmas? Did you have a nice holiday? Always, man. Always. I uh, first and foremost thank God and think about what the uh, reason for the event is. Don't want to get onto much of a tangent, but to me, uh, uh, it is a big deal. You know, uh, Christmas, and uh, I have so much to be thankful for and to appreciate that. I really enjoy being able to take a step back and enjoy that. And one of the things I'm most appreciative of is uh, sports and the exciting things that are going on all around the sports world, ranging from the Baseball Hall of Fame to the bowl games to baseball trades to NFL playoffs. So a lot of places to go to. How about you? How was your holiday? Oh, it was great. We're right smack in the middle of the holiday season now with uh, the new year coming up in just a few days. So a big thanks to everyone out there who – makes our show part of your week. Thank you for that. We always appreciate you tuning in. Now we're on a new time. So hopefully some of you out there, if you're listening live, we want to hear from you. Send us a tweet or a message on Facebook, any kind of interaction. You can give us a, a call. We'd love to hear from you. Um, it's one thing that we, uh, we've, the show has, has really been growing as we see the numbers and we see the listeners from all over the world, which is really cool. So a big thank you. And we hope that you had a, a great holiday season, a uh, great Christmas, and you continue to have a great holiday season over the next few weeks. Let's get right into it, Mikey. We're going to have Rick Saradella joining us in uh, the second segment. We can talk a little bit about the college football bowl games. We'll pick his brain a little bit on NFL and what's happening there. But Rick is a great source just to talk anything football with because he knows these guys when they're in high school, he starts scouting them all the way through college, and then as they get into the pros. So we can uh, we can hit on many different topics with Rick. And then, like always, we'll have Monique joining us in the final segment with some of her uh, weekly plays. But before we get into the football talk, there were a couple um, kind of interesting Los Angeles um, news stories over the last week. The Dodgers made a, a big trade, and really, Mike, it, it wasn't even a trade as much as it was just kind of a, a, a salary dump, really, because the Dodgers – made a move where they traded Puig, Kemp, Wood, and Farmer uh, to basically cut salary before the next move. They're doing this because they're obviously assuming that either Bryce Harper's coming or some combination of what I've heard of guys like uh, A.J. Pollock, J.T. Realmuto, um, Kluber, maybe a pitcher, um, another like top-of-the-line pitcher. So it's a little bittersweet when you see someone uh, like Matt Kemp who – started his career with the Dodgers, and then came back and had an incredible first half of the year and had some huge hits for the Dodgers. You get rid of a guy like Puig, who, you know, we saw Puig when he was 22 years old, and he came over from, you know, from Cuba, and he was just an absolute rocket ship right away for the Dodgers. And he's one of those guys that is uh, very polarizing. I think you either, very few people are kind of, lukewarm on Puig it seems like you either love Puig or you just don't like him at all and he was an all-star the 2017 Wilson defensive player of the year you know five years for the Dodgers where he played over 100 games and he hit 279 
and he hit 280 in the playoffs, over 182 at bats. He's still only 28 years old. A little sad, um, but for me, this was a guy who was a really good Dodger. He was a lot of fun, and I'm always going to remember Puig. And the one thing that I'll always remember too is he only his contract was seven years, 42 million. His first couple of years, he was only making three million dollars, and even last year, only nine million for the type of player that he is. He was always great value for the Dodgers. So a little bittersweet to see him go, Mikey. You know, you just walking me through that right now made me think about, um, you know, going back in time to that. Those first 40 games of his were incredible. Didn't he hit like, I mean, he had loads of home runs, hit close to 400. I mean, this guy was a, was a phenom, took L.A. by storm. I mean, he just took advantage of the opportunity because a lot of people thought that after an incredible spring training that he had, that he belonged in the bigs. And uh, Mattingly held him back for, for a little bit longer and uh, gave him a little bit more seasoning. Obviously, the guy has been a pro in Cuba for X many years. But, man, he did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. You got to wonder, though, having so much success so early, did that help him or hurt him? Did it make him overconfident, perhaps? And that's what Yeah, it might have. Yeah, maybe to act up a little bit, act out a little bit, antics, you know, that type of stuff. Most of the stuff was pretty silly, though. Yeah. You know, was- like, like speeding at 108 miles an hour. I mean, I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. But I mean, in the whole scheme of things, we're not talking about any real big violations. Yeah, not, not I, he's not a bad guy. I no. think it's just a, you know, it was a little a little bit of a shell shock, a little culture shock. You go from a place like Cuba, you come over here, all of a sudden you've got all this money and you're a star and everybody, you know, everybody knows who you are. And well, I think what we learn when you kind of watch a player like Yasiel Puig is that everybody's journey is different, right? Everyone's trajectory is different. Some players come in, they're great, they stay great. Some players take a long time to, to get to get it, to figure it out. Some players have a roller coaster type career like Puig did. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was sent down to the minors, Mike, and there were articles written all over that were saying Yasiel Puig is never going to play another game for the Dodgers Major League Ball Club again. That's what most people thought when they sent him down, that he was just never going to come back. But what I love about Puig is all you can all you can as a fan is ask for the players to do what the the organization and the coaches asked of him. And Puig, the issue with him was always we need to see more consistency from Puig. We need to see more consistency. He can't go hot cold when you're a major league baseball player. You have to have better at bats. No more of these bad errors in the outfield. And you know what he did? He cleaned all those things up. It took. Um, it took connections with some guys like Turner Ward, really uh, the hitting coach for the Dodgers really took him under his wing. If you watch throughout the playoffs this last year, the best at bats almost night, like almost night in and night out in the, for the Dodgers were Justin Turner and Puig. Puig, he stopped swinging at bad pitches. He started taking pitches a little bit more. He, he matured and he became that consistent player that they wanted. And, you know, just looking at those numbers, you hit 279 in the season, you hit 280 in the playoffs. That's, that's just a model of consistency be uh, sad to not see him out in right field because one of those things where you his reputation might have been bigger than him in I think a positive way he's a type of guy who you see in the lineup and maybe you you, you have to maneuver and pitch him a little differently or maybe sometimes if he's hot you want to pitch around him even though he was never like a 40 home run guy and then in the outfield when he's in right field he's in your head you're not, you know, you're not taking an extra base, you know, on a in-between single to a double. You're not rounding first to third when the ball gets out to right field when Puig's there. So, um, we're very sad to see him go. But as a as a Dodger fan, 
Uh, it's a little bittersweet, but I think it's the right move. When the team's been to the World Series now two years in a row, you've been to the playoffs now every single year, and you've had generally the same group of guys, you have to make a couple tweaks and changes. And even if it doesn't work, you you have to applaud the fact that they're still trying. And the only way that this will upset me is if we don't get a Harper or we don't get you know Real Muto, Pollock, Kluber. If there are no mo- no other moves that come after this, that's, that would be the only thing that would be disappointing. I think it's uh, easy for me to sit here and, and kind of like, you know, criticize one way or another. I think, in my opinion, I thought they could have got more out of that package. I agree. I agree on that. Right. So aside from whoever they end up getting down the road, you know, um, the package in of itself, I thought could command a little bit more than they got back. Going back to Puig for a quick second, by the way, I think it's really interesting to note the two top-ranked players in Cuba at that time, uh, hitting-wise, were Yasel Puig and Yasmani Tomas. The Dodgers get Puig. The Diamondbacks get Tomas. Before the 2015 season, Tomas is signed for $68.5 million of the Diamondbacks. He comes up late in the season, has a, a pretty decent showing. The year after, hits 31 home runs, but he strikes out way too much. The following year, he struck out a third of his at-bats after 150-odd plate appearances so they sent him down probably right around the similar time this Puig was sent down you have not heard Tomas's name since it messed him up so badly he has not come back for a single at bat in the majors so it kind of tells you what kind of person that Puig is despite the reputation really really hard worker he really takes to instruction very very well and I think the Reds are going to find themselves have pleasantly surprised with the type of player that Puig is, the energy that he brings the team. I think it's moves like that that kind of move you up in the standings quietly and surprisingly. So yeah, you may, you, you know, kind I, of, I think it's a huge move for, for the Reds. I really applaud them. And piggybacking on your point, just the last like the last Puig thought here is that not only, you know, they send him down, they send him down in the lineup. He moved down to like the eight spot. He all he you know, was a lot of times platooning and not hitting, um, not against lefties or or vice versa, just pitchers that he didn't match up well against. So there were a lot of players that, I mean, we hear it like Billy Hamilton wants to play every day. He doesn't want to come off the bench. He doesn't want to. There's a lot of players that don't like that, and that messes them up. But you know what? He took it all with the like a man. He really did. He took it all, and he did exactly what was asked of him. He got a great relationship with Turner Ward, who's now the hitting coach in Cincinnati. So I think Puig, if you worried about, uh oh, is you know a loose cannon kind of guy. I think he's in a great spot with Turner Ward because this is a guy who has really, really made a big impact on him, and I expect to see Puig do very well in that lineup. So uh, I'll, I'll always be rooting for him, and I'll wish the best for Puig. He's one of those guys where you see a player come up and they're so young, you see them grow, you see them mature, and you feel you know you feel like you're tied to uh, to Puig. And I kind of in a little tangent feel the same way with a lot of these Lakers Mike because I've seen the Lakers the last couple years they've struggled they've been so bad but what's nice is that you've you've been able to see okay we're going in the right direction now we've got Lonzo we've got Kuzma we've got Ingram we've got Hart and then obviously you put LeBron with them and that showing they had on Christmas Day they are beating up the Warriors and it's a third quarter you know the Warriors are going to make a run the Lakers are up by 19 points in the third quarter. LeBron gets hurt. All of a sudden, they're up by two. I don't think one person in the world, including me, thought that the the Lakers weren't going to get beat by 20 at that point. You just lose LeBron. You don't know what's going on with him. The kids looked a little shell-shocked. Then all of a sudden, Rondo comes in, and he just calms the storm 
Uh, Zubats, unbelievable. Lonzo and Ingram just playing incredible defense. Not only did they win the game, they won and they stretched the league back out and they ended up winning by 27 after it was a two-point game late in the third quarter. I was extremely impressed with this game. And um, they said that LeBron now moving forward, I think what they'll do is they'll they'll kind of take it game to game and see how they're doing. If the Lakers win the next couple of games, they'll probably give them another game or two out. But this was a big confidence builder, I think, for the young guys going, hey, we probably can't win this whole thing without LeBron, but we can win a couple of games without him. Yeah, and believe me, I'm not saying that LeBron doesn't want to go out there and play, but I think at this stage of his career, the minute that the doctors say you're good to go, I think he probably adds another game, maybe sure. even two. Sure to that before he comes back, it only makes sense. I mean, look, the regular season really doesn't mean anything for LeBron. And whereas you're talking about, you know, a big percentage of the league only has the chance to play 82 games in a season. You know, he's typically playing, you know, 105 or above every single year. So, not, you, know, not if, a bad thing. you know, if he takes, you know, three, four games off, you know, it's uh, not, the, not the worst thing in the world. It might be, might be a good thing too, because of what you just pointed out, which is, they found out that they can win, that they've got some talent. It's not just LeBron on the team. These young guys are, are given an opportunity to step up. Let's see what they can do. Let's see if they could string some wins together. You found out you could beat the Warriors on Christmas Day. So what about on a sleepy Tuesday, you know, against the uh, Atlanta Hawks? They got a couple of tough games right? coming up with the Kings, you know, because the Kings are good this year and they're not, they're not a pushover anymore. So these, these couple of games coming up with Sacramento, I think are going to be big for the Lakers. Um, just, you know, split, they, they just want to play, you know, if they play four games without LeBron, they just want to play around 500 without him. That's really all that you want. You don't want to lose four or five in a row, but you don't have to win four or five in a row. You just want to play around 500. And, um, we record on Thursdays, this show and tonight the Lakers actually play and Rondo is not going to play either, um, which is unfortunate. He ended up getting hurt too. So I'm really excited. They're probably going to be starting a lineup. Of all five guys that are under 23, I think it's going to be uh, Lonzo, Josh Hart, Ingram, Kuzma, and Zubak. So if you're a fan, it's a really exciting lineup to watch and just go, man, we got all the kids that are going to be in there together starting. So um, they might be in a little bit of trouble without LeBron and Rondo and McGee. He's had pneumonia, JaVale McGee. So best wishes to him. He's been really sick for a couple weeks. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and by the way, you know, you know who would love – to uh, see his home team, the New York Knicks, field five guys that are under the age of 23 and have a chance to win? Who's that? It's our, our guy, Rick Saratella. Oh, Ricky, I know. There's a couple, like, I like Knox over there, but this year for them with Porzingis just, just being hurt, it's just got to be a tank. <laughs> we just got to tank the most of the year, get another pick, and then hope that yeah. top-tier pick goes Well, well let's, let's get Rick's thought on it. Thoughts on it because uh, I think he's 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 joined the the joined the call. Rick, good What's afternoon. What's going on, Rick? Hey, what a segue in! Well, I appreciate it. What's going on, fellas? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. How you doing, man? You have a good holiday? Yeah, doing good, man. You know, just enjoying these bowl games. It's uh, that time of year. You know, uh, it, it's hard for me to get excited with. with with New York bricks, but, uh, you know, it seems like constantly rebuilding and it, it, it's good to see them finally getting younger and, and getting some solid players. Hey, I'm just happy. We actually have some draft picks now. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's true. The Steven, you're you're in shape, good shape, at least moving forward, you know. So there is some light. That was the problem for the Lakers for a while, too, is that you're just bad. There's not a lot of young guys to root for, and you just don't feel any hope. So um, that's that doesn't seem to be the case now with a, a couple young studs there uh, over in New York. But, but, Rick, as we move over from basketball into, uh, into football, we talk about the college games so far. These playoff games are really, really interesting coming up in particular. And, you know, I hear a lot of people talk out there and I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. This is, we talk, we see Alabama every year in this spot, but this Alabama team might be one of the best Alabama teams that we've seen. This is a good, good group. And they, they just beat the crap out of a lot of teams this year. It's a really good team, and, you know, they're going up against a really good quarterback. Now, they do have a couple players who are going to be suspended for the rest of the playoffs. One of their starting offensive tackles is out. But, I mean, listen, both Alabama and Clemson, I mean, you talk about teams that just have depth upon depth, and they're so stacked. I think what's the, what's the biggest difference uh, of these programs than the others, and, and, and it's the backups are even NFL prospects. So, you know, you, they talk about the four guys on that Clemson uh, defensive front, and, and then there's a backup there, uh, Albert Huggins. You know, he's a backup. He might get drafted, too. That's just how stacked these teams are. And, you know, listen, Alabama, the only team that can beat them is themselves. And, you hear, you know, Tua said today, I think he's about 80, 85%. He hopes to be 100% uh, in time for the game. And if not, they got a great backup plan, Jalen Hurts, <laughs> yeah, someone who's been, been there, there and done that. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Hey, Rick, before we ask you to roll up your sleeves, let's take a quick commercial timeout, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about which prospects at the NFL level can we uh, expect to see from these uh, next couple of playoff games here and uh, also get your predictions. So stay with us, everyone. We will be back in a short moment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. 
He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Little roundtable discussion here on college football. We have Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Scout and the creator of NFL Draft Bible, our good buddy, talking some college football. The bowl season is upon us, and we have the playoffs coming up. And actually, Rick, very rarely I think you're going to see playoffs where both of these spreads are massive. I think they're both right around 14 or so. So in kind of to start, which game do you think is more likely to be a close game or would you see think is more likely to see an upset? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting how big these spreads are, and, and I think they're both about two touchdown favorites. I, I would give the edge here to Notre Dame just because of, you know, I know Alabama has some players suspended, but I feel like Dexter Lawrence being involved with Clemson is just such a bigger name where it now has become a distraction, and, and, and the teams and, and Sweeney is being asked about it every day. I saw the soundbite from Dexter today talking about he's trying to figure it out himself. He don't know how the information came about. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, listen, that that to me is the bigger distraction right now, and I think that can, you know, it, it, combined with that Clemson has a freshman quarterback, Notre Dame has a stout defense, I'm saying that's the game that can be more competitive. And, and I think Notre Dame's plus 400 on the money line. I might even take that and then back it up with the points. Sure. Interesting thing about both these matchups, Rick, is that, you know, uh, like Gino mentioned, you have two big-time favorites. Typically speaking, favoritism falls along the lines of who could score mo- most points. And out of these teams, they all have potential for high-powered offense. I think that Oklahoma is the one that's the standout just in terms of the numbers that they were able to put up this year. Look at that over-under, Mike. It's 70, it's 77. It's 78 and a half, yeah. and it's currently 77 right now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and where I'm going – exactly. That, and, and where I'm going with that is – does Alabama want to get into a shootout with Oklahoma? Because I'm kind of thinking the Oklahoma uh, Alabama wins because they have a superior defense. They have a, you know, a top national defense, uh, and Oklahoma does not. If they get into a shootout, is Alabama, you know, going to be in trouble? Do you think? Well, you know, I I find it hard to see. see I would go Alabama in the under here and. You know, hey, they can shoot it out. They got the uh, Jerry Judy. They got the um, receivers out there to get it done in Alabama. So I think they could do whatever it takes. But, you know, the thing is, 
we shut down Kyler Murray. If I'm Alabama, I'm feeling pretty good because Marquise Brown, he has an ankle injury. I think he's going to give it a go. But there's a, I mean, he's going to be limited even if he does play. And he's probably, in my opinion, the top deep threat in this year's draft class, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I just don't think he's going to be 100% for this matchup. And, and I think it's going to be hard maybe for Oklahoma to score some points. Now, listen, I'm not going to put it past Kyler Murray, that, that maybe Oklahoma can put some points on the board, but I, I would side more towards Nick Saban and that defense being able to shut him down and, and disguising some looks and showing him some coverages that maybe he's never seen before. Who, who are some under-the-radar players that project at the next level from either of these games? Or by now, is everybody just known because of the caliber of clubs that we're talking about? Well, no, I think, you know, there's there's probably about two dozen guys on Alabama. I mean, any any guy who starts on really Alabama and Clemson are pretty much getting drafted, whether they're draft eligible this year or next year. You know, those guys are all prospects. Keep an eye on all of them. I think Notre Dame has some interesting players because uh, Julian Love, a physical cornerback there, could be a potential top 50 guy. Uh, Jerry Tillery on the defensive line uh, at the tackle position is a guy that uh, is a run stuffer that could, you know, go very high. Also, you know, earlier on in the season, I think he had a four-sack game. Uh, Last time I checked, he had eight sacks on the season. I don't know if he got double-digit, but Khalid Kareem, under-the-radar defensive end there at Notre Dame, uh, along with Julian Aquara, redshirt sophomore that you got to keep an eye on. Tevin Coney, uh, the inside linebacker there at Notre Dame, you know, he, he's going to be a top pick. So I think Notre Dame has some good players um, to keep an eye on. And, and then, you know, Oklahoma, we talked about Hollywood Brown, but their defense, uh, their offensive line, excuse, excuse me, uh, Cody Ford, he's playing tackle, probably going to kick in to to the inside at the next level. But Oklahoma also has two other guards there um, that are going to get drafted relatively high. So keep a lookout for that Oklahoma offensive line. If you're watching, you know, if you're, tu- if you're like me, you're, you're, you're tuned in live to the Mike Abadir show and you're watching the, uh, the, the pinstripe bowl right up the block here at Yankee Stadium with Wisconsin, every single offensive lineman there is a prospect. So keep an eye on those guys. Um, yeah, did Miami, yeah, did yeah. Miami even show up to this game? Did they even get, yeah. get a flight to New York or what? <laughs> yeah, and, and again, there, you know, you got the the whole vid- the online video. I mean, things are so busy. I don't even know the whole story behind this online video that surfaced. It sounds like it's a good thing I didn't see it. Um, but you know, <laughs> again, there there's a distraction that I think you know te- all week long. That's all the team got asked about. The coach got asked about. It becomes a distraction, and those are the kind of things. You know, remember the guy that they couldn't find, Barrett Robbins. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's he was in Tijuana, wasn't he? <laughs> hanging hanging in Tijuana? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something else, man. Hey, before we transition to the NFL level, I got to say, you know, of, of any of the players that are that are playing in, in, in the Final Four, you know, Christian Wilkins, would you say he's probably the most surefire guy to be a success at the next level? Well, I mean, if we're counting the Alabama team, uh, that Quinnen Williams, I mean, I think he's he's a dark horse. I think most people consider Nick Bosa uh, the number one pick. Ed Oliver might be right there with him. But this Quinnen Williams, the redshirt uh, sophomore defensive tackle, I mean, he's just 
been so dominant this year, uh, explosive off the ball, just very strong, athletic, uh, a knee bender, a waist bender. This guy, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he declares, which I think he will, he could potentially be the top pick in the draft. I'm not saying that he will be, but I, I could definitely see him in the top three. And let me jump in there. For those who are listening, who heard Rick say redshirt sophomore, well, he's, if he's a sophomore, how can he come out for the draft? The rule is if you've been out of high school for three years, then you become eligible for the draft. So it doesn't really matter whether you're you know, sophomore, junior, senior, as long as you've been out of high school for three years, and that's why Rick is honing in on him. Rick, uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you is, are there any guys that are playing in any of these bowl games from the quarterback position who have a lot to gain or a lot to lose based on their performance? And the point I'm getting at is, a lot of the times you'll see guys really make a name for themselves in these bowl games. Like Jamarcus Russell, when he was playing for LSU against Notre Dame, right? Uh, The year after, the opposite happened. Colt Brannon had a, a, a big time, you know, reputation as a thrower from Hawaii. And then they went up against Georgia in the sugar bowl and got shut down. And mm-hmm. just based on the one game, he dropped all the way to a sixth rounder when he had people that were pop- talking about him possibly being a day one, day two type guy, Mark Sanchez, uh, man, when they, when they beat Michigan up in the Rose bowl, he went way yeah. up the ranks. I way up. Yeah, he absolutely. Didn't even play that much. You know, he hadn't even had a, like a ton of experience and it was funny. Exactly. Cause, cause so is there anybody Carol's, that's like yeah. that? Who's like that? That's like that right now where you're like, you know what, this guy has a breakout game. You know, he could really, really make it. Because let's face it, this upcoming draft is not quarterback rich by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of these quarterbacks now are sitting out too. So, you know, a Will Greer from West Virginia will not play. I think Drew Locke from Missouri is choosing to go that route. Um, You know, we talked about it in between the commercial break. Daniel Jones today from Duke you know, I, I always consider this to be the the start of the draft season, right? Because now, you know, the GMs and the coaches are getting more involved in the process, especially those teams that are going to be picking high in the draft. They want to, you know, see, uh, you know, this is the time of year. They get more involved. There's more eyeballs. The press box are full of more scouts. So Daniel Jones today uh, really helped himself out with five, you know, six total touchdowns. Five coming, you know, passing, and and you talk about David Cutcliffe and, you know, teaching his quarterbacks, you know, that that shoulder shimmer, you know, where he's kind of like looking off the the corner and then throwing the other way across the field, and uh, just his mannerisms. They were talking even about it on the broadcast that how, you know, he's very similar to Peyton and Eli pre-snap reads and some of the things he does in terms of getting his teammates in the right place. And I think, you know, if you can hit the draft process, triple play, and he can go on now. Uh, and well, Daniel Jones, I don't, I think he did graduate. So he's eligible for the senior bowl. If he does want to participate into the senior bowl, he's as good as gone. As far as I'm concerned from, from what my sources are telling me, but if you go on and you have a good bowl game, you have a good uh, senior bowl, and then you can capitalize at the combine, we'll see it tomorrow with Jared Stidham. Actually, Auburn, um, Jared Stidham coming out. Hey, remember me coming into the season? A lot of people felt like he would be a first-round pick. Struggled against some of the top teams, uh, especially Alabama this year. Beat Alabama last year. Struggled mightily this year, but really struggled when the pocket collapsed. 
Now he has declared for the draft. He will play against Purdue tomorrow. It's time for him to get his momentum going. I think he does have um, a senior bowl invite because he graduated. He can play. I think he's participating. Then you go to the com. Hey, if you get, if you go, and then if you go to the pro day and work out there, you can hit a grand slam if you're a quarterback because we've seen how great now, uh, some of these quarterbacks can look at their pro day. So really a Jared Stidham can have four platforms now to showcase his ability to scouts. And, you know, one other note that I'll throw out there. And he, he would have been a dark horse candidate for the first round, probably a top 50 pick already in my book. This Buffalo quarterback, Tyree Jackson, um, he announced he's going to transfer next season as a graduate transfer. And boy, oh boy, what a talent somebody's going to be getting there. Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be really interesting to see also, based on the Combine Pro Day, Senior Bowl, et cetera, you have a lot of guys that maybe project in the latter rounds of, of the draft that could be interesting pickups for teams, you know, like the 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 Brett Rippins from 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 Boise mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, Jake Browning perhaps here in the West Coast or Trace McSorley or even not based on tonight's performance, but Malik Rogier. I think there's a lot, Manny Wilkins from ASU. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks that come to mind that could factor in late. One of the guys that Gino and I were talking about early, early projection, if a team wants to gamble, is Kyler Murray. Now, by all indications, right. he's going to be an, an Oakland A come, you know, come uh, spring training time. Do you think there's anything that an NFL team can do or, you know, to, to lure him perhaps keep in mind, NFL teams only retain your rights for one year. So he would have to be redrafted the following year if he comes out. So what are your thoughts? Is there anything that, that could maybe change his mind, do you think, or is he pretty much dead set on, uh, on, on baseball? No, I want to comment on this and I know we're going to transition into the NFL, but you know, Dwayne Haskins going back to the red shirt sophomore status, that's a quarterback there to keep an eye on. We forget about that Ohio state Washington sure. because Ohio state didn't make the playoffs, but yeah, Kyler Murray, I think, you know, it's, it's all about, Hey, where am I going to make more money? And I think he got really uh, agitated being constantly asked at the Heisman Trophy when I was there. But, you know, it sounds like he's leaving the door open. He's exploring the options. Um, pretty sure he submitted his, his, the paperwork to the NFL advisory board, uh, advisory board to see what his grade will be. And, again, Tim Tebow is a first-round pick. It only takes one to fall in love with you. I'm looking at the Oakland Raiders there, three first-round picks. Maybe not happy with Carr. Maybe hey, we can make you a first round pick and and, and see. You know, I think Gruden's going to want to have other options there, and it be, it would just be so damn intriguing. And if he does go in the first round, I believe, you know, I know his signing bonus was like four point eight or four point nine from the A's, and he would have to give that back. But if you get picked in the first round, Mike, you probably know better than me. I think he would be set to earn more money in football than he would baseball. He, he, he would in the short term. Obviously, in the long term, we know that baseball is the way to go, especially with guaranteed sure. contracts, et cetera. Uh, I, you know, maybe all this is being used for leverage with Oakland A's. I don't really know. That might be a possibility if he's still dead set on baseball. You mentioned Gruden, and it's a perfect time for us to transition to the NFL I, I, I think if he gambled with that pick on somebody that's already committed to another sport, I think that would be crazy. But 
who knows what, what they're doing over there in Oakland, man. I mean, they're getting sued by the city of Oakland. They don't know where they're playing next year. <laughs> and his first coaching move is to fire Tom Shaw. Tom Shaw, the <laughs> Nike spark master. Tom Shaw. That's the move that you're making? I mean, I think this is his fifth or sixth strength and conditioning coach that he's fired. I don't know, man. I don't really, despite some wins and some better play lately, you know, if they're gambling with picks, I think they're going to be in trouble, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, all these picks are gambles, right, at the end of the day. But the, the, the Tom Shaw thing is funny because he was asked about it, and he said it was a personal matter, a personal issue. Like, did Tom Shaw hit on his wife? Like, yeah. what's going on there? Like, <laughs> But, yeah, no, I think, you know, the Raiders, listen, they'll probably have the number one pick. I could see them, you know, it's funny because now they traded um, Khalil Mack. They traded uh, Amari Cooper. You know, they traded um, all these guys that they now have to find replacements for. So, like, Joey Bosa, if they have the first pick, can essentially become, you know, that cornerstone replacement on defense. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown or maybe a Kelvin Harmon or – uh, Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown, one of these receivers, I, I would imagine they have to use a first-round pick now on a receiver because they have no targets to kind of replace Cooper. And then, you know, who knows? Is he happy with Carr? You hear he is, and you hear he is. But I think he's going to want to have options. And, and I think they brought in, like, uh, some washed-up retread, Nathan Peterman there. That tells yep. me that, you know, that, that tells me that he's going to be exploring alternatives. We don't have a whole lot of time before uh, we have to let you go and we have to hit the break, Rick. So I just wanted to get a couple of quick um, thoughts, kind of overall thoughts on the NFL right now and where it stands. There's a lot still. I think there's only two teams that are actually locked in their seedings right now, the Saints and the Cowboys. Everything else is still up. A team like the Texans, they could still be the number one seed or the number six seed based on what shakes out this week. So just the way things have been over the last few weeks – who are a couple teams that you think you like the way they're playing going in? And then who are maybe one or two teams that you're not high on in the playoffs? Well, I'll tell you, you know, first of all, this Cleveland-Baltimore matchup, I think to me, is the most exciting just as a fan of football. You know, if I could pick one game to watch this week, I just think, you know, the both teams are trending, you know, trending in the right direction, peaking at the right time, whatever you want to say. Um, that is going to go down to the wire. And I think the Raven, you know, the AFC, listen, you could throw it up, see where it comes down, mix and match. There's a lot of teams in contention. I, if I'm in the AFC, I don't really want to play the Indianapolis Colts right now. I think they're kind of hitting their stride. Andrew Luck is really dangerous. Um, the Houston Texans look pretty good. I think the Patriots are done. Finito, stick a fork in them. I have no confidence in them returning to the Super Bowl. Um, the Chiefs, ever since that whole Kareem Hunt thing, kind of seemed to be trending in the wrong direction. And we mentioned the Ravens, while they're hot now, if they get into the playoffs, I don't have confidence in a rookie quarterback like Lamar Jackson to take them too far. NFC, real quick, you know, hey, it's interesting because I think the Eagles are the most dangerous team in football right now. Now, they play at 4 o'clock, they'll find out. With that Bears-Vikings matchup, I think if the Vikings win, the Eagles are automatically eliminated, I believe. Now, if the yeah. Bears win, then that game in, you know, in Philadelphia, or, you know, I don't know where they're playing, but that Eagles game becomes 
so important against the Redskins there. And, and if they get in, listen, I don't care who you are. That's the team that I'm going to be afraid of. And if the Eagles do get in, man, wouldn't it be cool to see an Eagles versus Rams NFC championship if it lined up that way? Oh, man, there's a lot of – and the Foles, the, the St. Nick, mm-hmm. just everything. Yeah. It seems like he just he – take, he takes over the team when they're struggling, and he just – you needed to shake them up a little bit. They were just in such a malaise all throughout the year, the Eagles. So um, I'm, I'm pretty similar in a, in a lot of the feelings with you, Rick, but I think we're coming up on a break right now, Mikey. Uh, any, any last thoughts for Rick before we let him go? No, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we get some really, really good games and setting it up for a national championship. If you've got a few minutes, maybe we can bring you back and preview the big game, Rick. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, if Brock Osweiler is getting $18 million on the open market, I can't wait to see what Foles gets at this offseason. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just no so you guys that. know, I'll, I'll be hitting the road, you know, um, in a couple weeks here, too. If you want to hop on and talk about some of the all-star circuit, I'll be at NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, and I'm flying over to the East-West Shrine game and then, you know, finishing up uh, down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So anytime you guys want me, you know, I love coming on the Mike Abadir show. And, Gino, you guys are uh, pretty much my favorite show to come on and just freestyle it with you guys. And, and, and it's always a pleasure, and I appreciate the time. Always appreciate you, brother. Where can uh, the listeners follow you over the next couple of weeks in your travels? Yeah, definitely follow us at NFL Draft Bible. And, again, you know, Mike mentioned it at the top of the show. I'm now uh, – you know, posted all my analysis at the NFLDraftScout.com. We'll be bringing back the publication this year. I'm very excited about that, and I'll have all my all-star game recaps over there on NFLDraftScout.com. So thanks a lot for that, guys. Good stuff, Rick. Happy New Year, my man. Yeah, Happy New Year. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Rick. Yep, there you have it, Rick Saratella. Let's uh, take our last commercial break, and we'll be back with the Parlay Queen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, final segment, about to close things out with the Parlay Queen, Monique from Covers and from ABR Live. Next week, Mike, we're going to have a, a pretty packed show. I think we have Caleb Keller already locked down to come on and talk some college basketball with us. I, th- I believe you said uh, we're going to have the uh, Zach Wood and Will Lutz combination from the Saints. They're on a bye, so they're going to talk a little bit with us. We'll have Monique on again to talk some plays with us. I know in one of the next few weeks, too, we'll have uh, Shap- Scott Shapiro joining us again to talk about some of the NFL playoffs and uh, perhaps some of the college playoffs still going on. So um, set up very nicely for the next few weeks here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we bring in our good friend who we talk to each and every week, the Parlay Queen, Monique. Staying warm up there, hopefully, Monique, and uh, we want to warm it up with some winning plays this week. So I think you're going to have a couple in the NFL and then one more college. Yeah, only liking two in the NFL this week. It's one of those weeks where you're going to have a lot of starters resting, and even if they start, you don't know how many minutes are really going to be played. So it's a tough week in the NFL, but there's two things that I like this week. Okay, and you're going to go, first one's going to be an over-under. Yeah, uh, under 45 in the Lions-Packers game. Now, while these two teams met earlier on in the year, the Lions already beat the Packers. Both squads will be drastically different with the Lions without Johnson, Tate, and Marvin Jones, who were key contributors in those matchups. And obviously the Packers have been up and down all year firing their offensive coordinator. So it's been an odd year for the Packers. Um, We're not really sure how much Rodgers will play and what he'll see. Um, don't really know what kind of success the Lions will have if they have pretty much any. Um, I think this is one of those games that have all the makings of a low-scoring affair, and it's kind of one of those obvious division rivalries, and it's one of those how many points are really going to be scored in that game with both offenses struggling all year. So I like the under in that game. And uh, Rick is going to be with you on this one, and we were just talking to Rick Saratella about the team that he is the most scared of in the NFL, and he said, if I was coaching a team, I would not want to play the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They seem to be firing on all cylinders, and this is obviously their entire season, Monique. They have to win this game, and they need a little bit of luck to get in. That's true, and I mean... Yeah, they're playing really well. You can't complain. And you obviously have those. If you win last year, it's it's always tough. Always feels good to knock off the champs, but it's always tough to do so. So I definitely like the Eagles minus six and a half. And like you said, they do need a little bit of luck. But I mean, up to them. They'll definitely take care of business this week. Um, the Redskins have been decimated with injuries all year. 
they're another one of those teams where we don't really know how many points they're going to put up, if any at all. So I think this game is going to be really, really lopsided. And as long as the Eagles maintain ball security and keep turnovers at a minimum, I think they're going to cruise and cover easily. And then we have one bowl game. Now you're going to be in the military bowl, and it's Virginia Tech versus Cincinnati. Which way are you going to go in this one? I'm going Cincinnati minus five and a half. I really like this play. It's a Monday game, and I think I think my biggest edge in this one would be how Virginia Tech just can't stop the run. There's a game against Pittsburgh uh, this year where they averaged 13.7 yards per carry, and they totaled 492 rushing yards. Now, this isn't one of those one-off performances. They've been really bad against the run all year. I think with the Bearcats defense just being so dominant, 26th ranked in passing defense and 8th in rushing, they're giving up just 16 points a game. I think it's really tough for Virginia Tech to put up points. I think Cincinnati's going to exploit the weaknesses of the run game, and I think that's one of those games where they're just going to, I think it's going to be a blowout. If not, I feel really confident by them covering by at least a touchdown. So I would even consider for better odds taking a little bit higher of a spread. I think it's very one-sided game. Keeneland Dan's going to love that play there with the Bearcats minus five and a half. So three plays for Monique, the Detroit Green Bay under 45, the Eagles minus six and a half, and then over in college, Cincinnati minus five and a half. Monique, feel better. Rest that voice. I hope you, uh, when we talk to you next week, you're feeling better. Thanks so much for coming on with us again. And we always look forward to talking to you. Kick some butt this week with your plays. Thank you guys for having me. Good luck this week. And yeah, hopefully you feel better as well. And yeah, we have a great week. Thanks, Monique. Happy New Year. Thank you, guys. Thank you. The Parlay Queen, Monique. You can follow her on Twitter at Parlay Queen. She does a lot of work, uh, videos and written analysis for covers and for ABR Live. So if you follow her at Parlay Queen, that's the command center for Monique. You'll see and everything that she's working on um, all through the, uh, the Twitter feed. So, Mike, the last couple of weeks, we've... We've had a couple misses where, you know, it, it evens out because earlier in the year, I had a couple weeks where the ball just seemed to bounce my way every time on the right end of so many little things. And the last couple weeks, we've just some tough losses. I think both of my losses this week were by a point. I had Cal, ended up, well, who was plus two. That that line actually moved all the way to Cal minus one. But I, luckily, if you, you got it in early at plus two, they lost by three in just one of the most boring and horrible football games you've ever you'll ever see in the Cheez It Bowl when the against TCU. And then the one game that you and I both had last week, we lost where we were plus five, uh, plus four with the 49ers. They were driving down five with a chance to win the game, and just kind of a couple of mistakes on the drive. Not who knows if they would have won that game, but we really weren't far off again with some of the misses seemed like we were sniffing out the right sides, but that's why it's called gambling. I was two and two. And I think you were one and two, right? Correct. And you know, the Niners haven't had a game where they did not score a touchdown. I believe in, I don't know. It's a long consecutive streak where they've at least scored one touchdown. So kind of shows you the bears have a pretty good defense. We needed good, anything yeah. other than a combination of three field goals, but Hey, that's the way the ball bounces. Like you said, it kind of evens out over the course of the year. So how many games you got for this week? Uh, I have two. And I think the key is like this week when you're playing is as Monique was mentioning, motivation, right? Some of these games where you have two teams that have nothing to play for, I just, 
I wanted to steer clear of those. So the two games that I like the most, I like the Browns plus the six. I This is their Super Bowl. They would love nothing more than to finish the season with a winning record and to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs. They would love to do this. The Browns are peaking at the right time. And what we've saw, what we've seen, Mike, is that in the NFL, you know, one or two years where you're at the bottom and you're drafting early each and every year, you can really move your team in, in a year or two. And that's what the Browns have done. When you're bad every year and you're getting top picks every year, these players are going to eventually be good and help you. And that has been the case, no doubt about it, with this Cleveland team. We talked about it, though, at the beginning of the season, even when we did the polls saying who's going to be the worst team. We did not have Cleveland up there, and they've got a big shot to end the season with a winning record. I think the Browns plus six, and I would play this game money line too. I think they win straight up, but I would also play the plus six because Baltimore just doesn't score a lot. So for me, you know, a field goal win or they win by four, that that's the kind of games they win. Another play will be the Colts minus three. I just think they're better than the Titans. Uh, I, As he mentioned, the Colts are a team that I've been very high on for most of the year, and they're really playing well. So for me, Colts minus three and Browns plus six. Well, then you're going to have an opportunity to try to get that head-to-head win, Gino. I'm going with Tennessee. So I got four games. Oh, nice. Cool. One of them is Tennessee. So you're going to have an opportunity to get that head-to-head win. I don't remember where we're at, statistically four, speaking. It's 4 no, you on the head-to-headers. So, but we'll, we'll go when we pick all the playoff games. We'll have the opportunity to go head-to-head against each other. Yeah, we'll do some head-to-head stuff, most definitely. Sure. Uh, so I'm going with Tennessee getting I, I thought it was a three and a half definitely like it a lot better at three and a half oh sure but that's three, the key. just I'll jump around and find it find it you know what i mean so so if it's a it's something like that you got to shop and you got to you got to find that three and a half for you because yep. that's huge exactly. and i would got to find the three for me if i'm going to play it that way you know it, it, exactly so you know my, my thinking is basically that the colts are a much better team indoors at home in the dome i don't like don't dome teams typically in december so i'm going with tennessee there Another dome team that I'm going to be taking is the Saints minus seven. I know that they don't have anything absolutely to play for except Sean Payton, I think, wants to get that offense on track and he wants them to be in sync. So I think they beat up on a a third string quarterback in in Carolina. And then the last game is I'm going to take Chicago getting four and a half against Minnesota. I think they'd like nothing more than to ruin Minnesota's day and to keep them out of the playoffs. So they'll keep that game close. Those are my three games. Minnesota's that's good either. You know, they've just been kind of like lackluster most of the year too. So three plays for Mike, two for me, uh, three for Monique. And we are just coming up on the, the last few minutes of the show, Mike. But as we mentioned next week, it'll be a brand new year and we'll have a brand new um, we'll have, a, sorry, we'll have the uh, NFL football playoff final to talk about because the playoffs yeah. are going to be this weekend, and we're going to know we won't know who the new NCAA champion will be, but we'll know what the playoff final looks like. Yes, and, and I think you were about to say brand new contest for the NFL playoffs. Oh, there we go. So yeah, that's yeah. what we're going to roll out uh, is the playoff contest. It was super popular last year, and uh, we'll roll it out again this year. It'll be big. It'll be fun. We'll do it right. We got to wrap up the show here. Don't so forget those reviews, years. iTunes reviews, if you can. Yes. Five star ratings, they help us a lot. Happy New Year's, everyone. Mikey, finish it off. Be safe, everyone. Let's start off 2019 with a bang. Take care, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.